What a great time to be a Giant, be a fan of the Giants. Like we have something going here. We're building something special, and you know you can see it from the outside and inside. It's even more beautiful. Reflecting on everything that got me here, just to see that uniform, and you know I, I watched. That's the team I watched the most growing up because my dad was a Giants fan. So once a Giant, always a Giant. For me, it's only a Giant. Welcome everybody to a bye week edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by NorthJersey.com and the Record. I'm your host, Art Stapleton, and we have reached the bye week. We are at the end of November. December is immediately around the corner. And the New York Giants finally get to take a little bit of a breath on a season that has not gone in the direction that they had hoped. Well, really, many of us, present company included, expected four and eight. Two wins in a row led by the defense, obviously, and undrafted rookie Tommy DeVito. You've obviously heard of him by now. And if we go all the way back to May when he signed as an undrafted rookie here, we've been talking about DeVito since then. Kind of talked about his Jersey roots back in the spring We had him on All In with he and Tommy Sweeney, the Jersey Boys episode, the two Bosco guys after they connected on a touchdown in Detroit. But I think if you said to Tommy DeVito back then when we had him on the show in August that he would be the starting quarterback for the Giants against the Cowboys in Dallas, then in Washington – and against the New England Patriots, and actually wins the last two starts that he's had, I'm not even sure Tommy DeVito would have believed you. Actually, I'm pretty sure Tommy DeVito would not have believed you because I've asked him that, and he's kept his head down, and with the twists and turns that he's taken at quarterback, and now he's become a little bit of a phenomenon. And... I figured who better to talk to this week. We had Victor Cruz last week who could speak to what Tommy DeVito was experiencing in North Jersey as kind of this local legend, as Brian Dable called him all the way back in the summer. That was Victor Cruz. Now I wanted to reach out to somebody who could talk about what it's like to be an undrafted free agent quarterback and try to make his way in the NFL. And who better to talk about one Don Bosco quarterback than another in Matt Sims. Yes, that Matt Sims, Phil's youngest son, Chris's brother, who I covered at Don Bosco. And just like Tommy DeVito uh, is from North Jersey, is somebody who experienced a little bit of fame, obviously because of his last name, Uh, He had to deal with both following in the footsteps of Phil and his brother Chris, who I think people forget how big of a player and how big of a personality Chris was football-wise back when he played for Ramapo High School in North Jersey, then obviously went on uh, to Texas and had that experience and then played in the NFL uh, before that freak accident. And now Chris is a 
you know, really a part of the mainstream media with his work on NBC, on Sunday Night Football in America, on the pregame show with Devin McCourty, Jason Garrett, Maria Taylor. Uh, and then obviously Chris has one of the most popular podcasts that's out there. Uh, and he always seems to get his name in the headlines around draft time when talking about quarterbacks. So Chris is not one to hold back on opinions. And Matt is trying to carve his own way. And I uh, spent some time with Matt at Giants training camp this summer. We talked about Tommy DeVito then. So I figured Matt could kind of give you an idea of what the path of an undrafted rookie is like that first year and how challenging it is to do what Tommy DeVito has done. So we'll get to my interview with Matt uh, in a second. As I mentioned, Giants are on a bye week. We had Joe Shane give his State of the Giants press conference the other day. A couple important notes, I think. One is the quarterback, the idea that, you know, Joe Shane said the expectation is that Daniel Jones will be the starter when he's healthy. Well, of course he is. You know, sometimes you have to see the forest through the trees. Daniel Jones is under contract for next year. The Giants would have to pay a heavy, heavy, heavy dead cap hit to not have Daniel Jones on the roster. And Daniel Jones is coming back from an ACL. And we all know how important Daniel Jones' legs are to his game at his best. So what else is Joe Shane going to say? Of course, Daniel Jones, when healthy, is the starting quarterback. But being cleared and being healthy are two different things. And the Giants can't sit back and wait until September next year before they make a decision on their quarterback. So what happens? Well, the only other quarterback under contract is Tommy DeVito. When he was added to the active roster, he signed a standard three-year rookie contract that ultimately down the line he will be in a um, restricted rights uh, free agent and then move on down the line. But he's here. What role Tommy DeVito will have? Well, that remains to be seen. I can't tell you that Tommy DeVito is going to start another game in the NFL as the Giants will get back next week and start preparing for the Packers on Monday Night Football. The question of Tyrod Taylor coming off of injured reserve, potentially, off of that ribcage injury. I don't know if Tyrod Taylor is going to be activated and be ready to go, and whether he should be the guy who starts for the Giants against the Packers. All that stuff is to be determined. The question I have about Tyrod Taylor is, where were those crack ribs? Are they in a position where if he takes another hit, they're near internal organs? Now, we're not talking about internal injuries, but the possibility for internal injuries is affected by a ribcage injury, especially when you play quarterback. So that's something to be determined. We don't know that. Or I can say, I don't know that. I've asked. I have not gotten direct information in terms of the specifics of Tyrod's injury. Tyrod did not reveal the specifics of his injury. We know it was serious enough that he had to stay at Hackensack Hospital overnight for evaluation after the Jets game. So it was serious enough for that. So clearly, uh, this is not just a tough it out situation where it's a pain management deal. 
That's not the case. So you have to see how his injury is healing and whether or not he is the right person to start against the Packers. Now, we'll get into that next week. Right now, Tommy DeVito is operating like he's the starting quarterback of the Giants. And Joe Shane kind of talked about that and said, Tyrod's not under contract for next year. Tommy DeVito is. Daniel Jones is. Daniel Jones is expected to be the starter if he is healthy. But that's not going to prevent the Giants from doing all their homework on all the quarterback possibilities for next year. We've already talked talked a couple weeks ago. We started priming you when the Giants were in the hunt for the top two picks. They still are in the hunt, depending on what happens over the next five games for them, the final six weeks of the regular season. But Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy, I keep throwing names out there, Michael Penix Jr. The reality is we're not sure where that's going to be. The evaluation process is going to continue in the offseason. Where the Giants are locked in right now, according to Tankathon, they are sixth. That's not that far off if the Giants truly want to get back up into the top two picks. But here's another scenario that's going to play out before we get to our interview with Matt Sims. There are going to be some quarterbacks who are free this year. What happens in Chicago if Chicago has the number one pick because of the pick they have from Carolina? So let's say they're picking first. What if they want Caleb Williams or Drake May? What are they going to do with Justin Fields? Are they going to trade Justin Fields? Yeah, Yes. Are they going to deal Justin Fields for a mid-round pick? Well, it depends. Let's see what packages they get. The reality is, is that when you have the type of staff that the Giants have, and we don't know what it's going to look like in January after the season, is Mike Kafka going to be here as offensive coordinator? Is he going to look for another opportunity? Is Brian Dable going to look to shake things up? Will Shea Tierney, the quarterback's coach, take a step up into that OC job? We're not sure how that's going to play out yet. So that's still to be determined. But you have to have confidence, and I talked to Matt Sims about this, and you'll hear it in our interview soon, is that you have to have confidence in the way the Giants have developed Tommy DeVito to the point where you have to want to see this staff develop their own quarterback. Maybe they took Daniel Jones as far as they could take Daniel Jones last year. And it was good enough to win a game in the playoffs on the road against Minnesota, and maybe that's his ceiling. Or maybe his ceiling is lower than that. That has to be determined. But I want to see Brian Dable and Shea Tierney, uh, and if Mike Kafka's here, Mike Kafka, develop the next quarterback for the Giants. The Giants fans have every right to want one of these quarterbacks to elevate their franchise. What they've seen from Daniel Jones right now, and now you toss in the neck injury and the ACL, you have to have serious concerns that he can do that. Some of the fan base believes in Daniel Jones. Some doesn't. That's just the way it is. But if you're Joe Shane, you've got to operate under those circumstances. Which brings me back to Justin Fields. I don't know yet what Joe Shane and his scouting staff and Brian Dable may have thought of Justin Fields when he was coming out. That wasn't an option for the Buffalo Bills. They were in the buff they were with the Buffalo Bills. If 
they really like Justin Fields' skill set. And there's things to work with with Fields. Whatever you think about what Fields has done to this point with Chicago, there's a skill set there. Could the Giants trade for Justin Fields and have him and Daniel Jones and Tommy DeVito as their three quarterbacks going into next year? It could absolutely happen that way. If they decide they don't want to draft one of these other quarterbacks, could they draft a quarterback in the second round that they may like? Could they trade back up using those second-round picks at the back end of the first round and get a quarterback that they like? Sure. But I would also look at that other option. Are there guys like a Justin Fields that this staff may look at and say, you know what, this is worth bringing in here, let him compete with Daniel Jones next year. We've got the idea of a 50-year option. We know that going down that road. Do we want to pick it up? Do we not want to pick it up? But let Fields and Jones compete. Let DeVito compete as well. And then you keep all three on the active roster. And then you make the decision after 2024. And if you're in the hunt to get one of the quarterbacks that's coming out of the draft in 2024, whoever that may be, and you have to say goodbye to Daniel Jones and Justin Fields, then you do that. If Justin Fields elevates with this coaching staff and becomes your franchise guy, then you say goodbye to Daniel Jones. If Daniel Jones comes back from his knee injury and elevates his game to the point where you had hoped it would be beginning of this season, then you make that determination. You could always trade Justin Fields and you know flip him for a pick if that's the way it turns out. There are a lot of avenues that the Giants can go to, and I think the best thing for Giants fans is that Joe Shane is apparently keeping an open mind. He seems open to a lot of these different avenues, and that's really all you want because the Giants need to consider all options right now, and I think that's where they're at. Tommy DeVito is a fun story. As I wrote, the football matters. He's played well. As I told Matt Sims, and you'll hear, I I don't want to hear about PFF grades. I don't want to hear about QBR rating. Uh, I know what I'm seeing. And Tommy DeVito is making throws that I did not think he could make at the beginning of training camp. That's how this team, this coaching staff, and the player himself has elevated his game. I want to see more. I want to see what he can be. And it's fun in North Jersey to see the lines around Primo Hoagies and Wayne and the Tollies and Caucus having the chicken parm with vodka sauce named after Tommy DeVito. All of that stuff is fun. And it's a bright spot in what has really been a miserable season for the Giants that they've taken punch after punch after punch. But the football is the football and the fun is the fun. And DeVito has managed to blend both. I don't know how lost how lasting it's going to be. My assumption is that it's going to be fleeting. But you need to ride it the best you can. And Tommy DeVito is making the most out of every opportunity to show that he belongs in this league. And he's shown signs that he can play in this league. It hasn't been perfect, but it's not supposed to be. He's a 25-year-old undrafted rookie who bounced around in college and was an afterthought on draft day. That's not trying to slam Tommy. That's just the reality. 
And what he's done to this point deserves respect and celebration. We'll see where it goes. Giants are four and eight. They've got a little glimmer of hope of winning their way back into the playoff race just because of how bad the NFC has been in the chase for the number six and seven spots. Do I expect the Giants to be in the playoffs or to legitimately make a playoff run? No, not right now. No. But if they go out and they beat Green Bay on Monday night and then they go to New Orleans and beat New Orleans, well, then they'll be 6-8, and eight, going to Philly, and Philly may have everything locked up. We'll see where Philly's at on Christmas. Do I think that's going to happen? No. Am I predicting it? No. But it's still a possibility. That flicker is there. So if you want to believe, believe in Tommy DeVito, believe in the Giants and what you thought this coaching staff was, they have not quit. Let's just see where we're at. But we'll address more of that next week. As I said, this is the bye week episode. So I've made you wait long enough. Let's get to Matt Sims and his take on another Don Bosco alum in Tommy DeVito. All right, joining me now, and obviously I've known this guy for a very long time, and you've known him growing up as Giants fans, I'm sure, for his entire life, going all the way back to uh, – you know, his dad going to Disney World, but not really going to Disney World and winning the first Super Bowl in Giants history. It's Matt Sims and uh, the the media conglomerate that is the Sims family continues. Sims complete <laughs> Sims complete podcast. And uh, Matt, I know you going back to Don Bosco and we have another Don Bosco quarterback now kind of taking North Jersey by storm and Tommy DeVito. First off, welcome. And uh, how you doing? Arthur, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, it's really it's really cool, all these things that kind of come full circle in our lives, right? You know, from our days together at Bosco, uh, you know, to even the days uh, when I was the New York Jets, now Tommy DeVito with the New York Giants. Uh, that's what that's what makes this game and you know the game of life, too, so special. So you and I were together, and obviously you're doing a lot uh, in terms of quarterback analysis and really I you know I think back to when I did cover Don Bosco and you were there and you know your dad you know Big Phil was getting involved in you know helping quarterbacks at the high school level and then obviously the younger younger ages and then analyzing college quarterbacks and pros and you've kind of followed along you know that track so you can speak to a lot of different levels, but when we were together in the summer and you were out at Giants training camp with some of the stuff you were doing with Sirius uh, and, you know, and Bob Papa and, you know, kind of getting to know uh, the Giants in year two of Dable and Shane, I know what I think, but I want to get your take on it. Obviously you were watching Tommy DeVito and I'm sure you were rooting for him being a Bosco guy and a North Jersey guy. But if you can go back to that day and someone would have told you what has transpired over the last three weeks, what would your reaction have been? I, I My reaction would have been like, that is just awesome. And, you know, I would have been all for it. And, you know, I would have been, you know, partly amazed because we, we knew that at that time when we were together at camp that the probability of something like that happening was very slim. But at the same time, you know, hey, with, uh, when we went to the moon, that probability was pretty slim, too. And, 
you know, and I think that's what's so cool about the sport and, and so cool about this story. And it's such a good lesson, I think, for <clears throat> for for everyone who who participates in sports and football. That you know, it, it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of determination and will and battling through adversity. And, you know, at times you think that, hey, it, you know, it might not work out, whatever, this and that. But if you just kind of keep believing yourself, go to, you know, whatever your craft is with that enthusiasm, with that passion, with that, you know, desire to improve and get better. And also, too, just to enjoy the moment of being around, you know, others that are also working at, at honing their craft. And, and that's where you have to give guys like Tommy DeVito – you know, so much credit, and uh, it, it's just a great story, I think, for this area, and uh, and you can see that he's really embracing it. You know, it was a rough start, but each and every week it seems like, you know, Dayball and, and Kafka are starting to figure out what Tommy does well, what, he, what can really highlight him as the starting quarterback and taking advantage of those things, and he's done a phenomenal job of, you know, uh, of course, battling through the adversity of that, you know, no pass game versus the New York Jets to then being able to drop back and, you know, dice up Belichick and be the first rookie ever, you know, undrafted rookie ever to beat Belichick. So um, it's just a, a phenomenal story. And this is why the drama of sports is just so, so special and so unique. You know, there are so many different avenues to go down and we'll, we'll cover it all uh, here. But the first thing I wanted to ask you in terms of, quarterback play you know you you've kind of you know made it your your professional life now and even if you weren't working on your podcast and everything you do you know working with young quarterbacks and and, you know studying the game um you know the leaps that he has taken as just a quarterback from the guy i watched on occasional highlights at Illinois. And, you know, if we want to go back to Syracuse, you can go back to Syracuse. But it was really that last year in Illinois that, you know, he used as a jumping off point to what I saw in the spring to what we saw in training camp from a quarterback play perspective, from your eyes. Now, I know you're not breaking down every play that he's had for months, but what do you see now that maybe we didn't see in in training camp uh, and how have they gotten him to this point just from the X's and O's and schematic situation of allowing uh, someone who, you know, look, his skill set's not perfect. He has the things that he does well. He has things that he's still trying to grow in. But the idea to get to this point, I mean, like you said, he's not making plays against St. Joe's or Montclair. I mean, he he's making plays against Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Now, I know you can say what you want about the Patriots defense and where that team is right now. But, you know, look, this isn't with smoke and mirrors. I mean, he's obviously growing as a quarterback. What do you see in his game? Why has he been able to do this over the last couple of weeks? Yeah. And, and it, it, you could say whatever you want about, well, he's beat the commanders and the Patriots. You know, I don't care about that. When you step out on the field and you play on Sundays in the NFL, you know, it, there's, 11 other grown men on the other side of the line of scrimmage that are scratching, fighting, and clawing, you know, to keep their lives the way that it is, too, to be successful, to have great successes, right, to feed their families, right, especially the coaches, the players, everyone involved on that sideline and even up in the booth that, you know, you sit next to, right? Yeah. And 
he's done a great job. He's, he's really, you know, the key for this is, you know, in, in one aspect, you know, the Giants really had no other choice. And sometimes that's the best thing for the position of quarterback, right? They were in a position where, you know, hey, we don't really have anyone. Tyrod's not healthy. Daniel Jones isn't healthy. And we need to really make sure that we, you know, protect this young man. But at the same time, uh, still coaching him and pushing him beyond what his current limits are so that he can gain experience, so he can gain confidence, and so that each and every week we can improve upon that and build off of that foundation. And that's where, you know, you have to give all parties tremendous credit for because, you know, yeah, at first it was not pretty, but, you know, credit to Tommy, not taking it too personally, learning as he goes on the job, on the fly, and uh, in the coaching staff, too, being there. You know, I, I always think back to early on, you know, when I saw Dayball on the sidelines with Tommy when, when he really got, like, his first experience to play. And, and I could just see that, like, you know, Dayball knew that, that, you know, he was in a tough position. He knew that he probably wasn't really ready, ready, right, to take the reins and just say, hey, we're going to just run everything that we planned on running. But you could see that he was taking the time to really talk through the play and the scenario with him. And you could really see that Tommy was like, yeah, man, keep coaching me, keep talking to me, keep guiding me through this. And, and that's where that collaboration, you know, of coach and player is so powerful and so amazing. And, uh, and Tommy's done a great job. You know, little – I say it to my QBs all the time. You know, just – you know, those little increments of improvement, they don't look like much, but when you do them consistently over time, before you know it, you know, that foundation that you built, you know, is, is much grander than what you thought for that one practice or that one session that you had. And, you know, that's what they're doing right now with the Giants and Tommy. And the great thing, too, you know, uh, about Tommy, and, and this was kind of one of my complaints with Daniel Jones when he was, you know, the starter and our, our franchise quarterback. You know, Tommy at least plays with a certain energy and charisma that, you know, it, it, it's fun. It's exciting, you know, and, and I think that's a powerful thing. Like, you can see that the players around him, you know, try to embody this, you know, Italian mentality that he has and, <laughs> you know, his touchdown celebration and all those things. And, you know, all of those things are those intangibles that we, we constantly talk about. But, you know, for Tommy, they're on display. He's being his genuine self. And it's, uh, and it's so natural, I think, for other people to kind of fall in love with that, uh, especially when, you know, the, the year has been as tough as it has been for the New York Giants. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head in terms of being genuine. You know, you know what it's like to be in an NFL locker room. You know what it's like, you know, you, you were in multiple college locker rooms and then in high school, a winning uh, situation and culture. Um, you can't fake it. You know, the idea that right. Tommy DeVito now, you know, is all of a sudden going to be somebody that everyone else wants him to be, that that's not the case. And to me, I wrote that they had no choice but to go to Tommy DeVito after Daniel Jones tore his ACL, if nothing else, because you were going to lose this locker room if you gave 
this offense over to uh, Matt Barkley or a Jacob Eason or someone else that you would have brought in from outside the organization, if for nothing else that, you know, Dable has built a culture here. Now, granted, it's only in year two and this has not been easy. It's been challenging this year, but you build the idea that you come here and everyone's part of the team. Guys like Saquon Barkley saw Tommy DeVito work for him. He's one of them. So when you see the other night, the NFL films video, I don't know if you had a chance to see it where Saquon's jumping around doing pregame introductions and yelling Jersey and, you know, Tommy and, you know, all the, the stuff that we see now, if Tommy DeVito wasn't who he was back in June, back in July and August, the veterans wouldn't believe in him, you know, and, and this wouldn't, this is not easy. Can you, can you kind of put that into perspective too? the idea of what that's like in a locker room and how quickly veterans will bail on a guy as much as they will embrace a guy if he's not who he is? Well, I think a, a lot of those things that you're, you're touching upon, you know, just really they highlight how great Saquon Barkley is, right, as a leader, as a person, as someone that I think everyone in that franchise right now looks upon. You know, this was something that even during the offseason, my father and I, we discussed even on our podcast on one episode how just, you know, it, it was hard for us to say Saquon would be in another team's uniform because, you know, I viewed Saquon as, you know, kind of the heart and soul of the team. He's the embodiment of what it means to be a New York Giant in so many ways. You know, he is a throwback. When they wear those those legacy uniforms, you know, I, I think about Saquon being a part of, like, you know, my father's team in, in those years, right, because he kind of has that attitude and that presence about him, you know, that he would be a Bill Parcells type of guy, right. you know. Um, and – and that's where, you know, for Tommy, you know, it, it, it's awesome. Because when you have someone like that, you know, hey, when Tommy was appointed the general of the New York Giants offense, you know, he really needed the four-star general to say, yeah, I got you. I'm going to support you. And that four-star general is Saquon. And that's what I think, you know, it's just so powerful to see leadership that way. Because when you empower someone else who is not used to being in a position of power, especially not to this, you know, stature, right, it, it really does embolden you to say, hey, I got nothing to lose here. I'm in a great opportunity. Yes, no doubt the trials ahead will be difficult, but at least I have someone to lean on that will back me and support me and really encourage me and those around me to believe in me because I know that I believe in myself. And that's, that's where I feel like, you know, all those things that Saquon are doing, that's not for show either. You know, that Saquon being the leader that we always known him to be and for him to, to give someone like Tommy that confidence, you know, I think is, is really just so tremendous and it's so powerful to the point where it's really hard for, you know, someone who maybe hasn't participated in football to that extent, you know, to really put that into words, you know, what exactly that means. Talk to me about quarterback development. Now, when I wrote and I reported that, you know, you know, Tommy had not gotten 
you know, team reps and really was splitting scout team reps, if at all, with Tyrod back when Daniel was healthy. And then when he was the backup, you know, when Daniel was trying to come back, he was really splitting scout team reps with uh, Daniel Jones. So Tommy didn't have reps with Darius Slayton and Paris Campbell until he actually got in the game in reserve, uh, whether right. it was the Jets game or, or the Raiders game. You've been in that situation. You've been the practice squad quarterback, the number three on the depth chart. And I remember sitting with you uh, at the Super Bowl when you were there with the Falcons as right. you know the, the practice squad guy. And you weren't pretending to be Tom Brady in practice. You had to be Devin McCourty. You know, you had to play safety. You had to play receiver. Um, that's, I, I don't think that's a part of the game that people can appreciate at the NFL level, but you lived it. How much of a challenge is it to develop your quarterback skills when your role is really to be almost everything else besides a quarterback who's challenging for reps? And that's kind of the position Tommy DeVito was in until Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor got hurt. Right, right. And you know, it is funny that you bring up that story, uh, you know, from, from that, that moment back in the Super Bowl. Um, won't go into too much detail about that Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. That's still devastating. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the, the great thing was, you know, you, you're, you're at the, the pinnacle of your sport. You know, you did it. You made it. But at the same time, just because you're there doesn't mean that you're done, right? You're, you're still continuing to... To, to chase, right, or pursue that ultimate dream of being, you know, the guy, right, for your franchise. And, and in my situation, you know, that was difficult because, you know, I had Matt Ryan, who was the MVP of the league that year in Atlanta, and I had Matt Schaub, who was, you know, at, at one time, you know, one of the better quarterbacks of the decade when he was with the Houston Texans, you know, that was a phenomenal football player that brought them to AFC championships and, and won so many games. So, yeah, the reps for me were very limited in that situation uh, in Atlanta. And to stay active, to stay in shape, to make an impact with the football team, you're right. I was playing safety. I was playing receiver. I was playing, you know, halfback in situations. Matt Schaub was throwing me, you know, touchdown passes against our number one defense. I was catching Matt Ryan interceptions. <laughs> well, I would catch him but then throw them down because I didn't want to hurt his feelings. But, um, you know. It was just those things where you stay active as much as you can. You try to help the team as many ways as you possibly can. And while I was doing all of those things, I was still preparing like I was the starter as knowing the game plan. I was still getting extra reps after practice with other scout team players to review plays that we were doing to make sure that I was staying sharp within the reads, the assignments, what we were trying to accomplish on um, certain plays. And I know for a fact that that's what Tommy was doing, too. You know, I'm sure he took it upon himself to have extra time with coaches when he could to say, hey, you know, what do you think about this, this, or, you know, should I work on this after practice with you? You know, just getting extra work in with guys that were on the scout team. And, you know, those things are difficult. Whenever, you know, an NFL team says, yeah, you know, we're, we're going to develop this guy, the, the number three or the four guy in the facility, you know, that really is kind of like all BS. Like, they really aren't developing anyone. It really is up to the player to develop himself, right, to really make sure that he's the one that's being critical 
and, and really making those adjustments to his game and learning, uh, you know, vicariously through the people that are getting the majority of the reps because there really just isn't enough time and focus for Dayball to be thinking about what my four-string quarterback is doing until he is, you know, one or two on the depth chart. And, uh, and, and that's, again, where, you know, you have to give tremendous credit to Tommy for just, you know, playing well enough in the preseason to be a practice squad guy, for continuing to hone his craft on the practice squad with the limited reps that he had, and then to slowly just continue to get better and build confidence with those around him, build that rapport with his coaches and his teammates that you see now is, is really just a credit to his hard work and what he's done because they're, they're by no means is that an easy task for a young quarterback, especially in their rookie year. You know, Brian Dable talked with us earlier this week, the idea of, you know, building that foundation and going back to the beginning of training camp. He knew most of his attention was going to be with Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor. So, you know, every Thursday morning, he'd meet with Tommy DeVito before practice and just kind of give him some clips to review and talk to him a little bit about his experience and where he's going. Uh, And then it was kind of funny, you know, you come off of Sunday and Dable told us on Monday, this past Monday, You know, all the players had off and Tommy was in the facility on Monday morning meeting with Dable, going over video clips and, you know, starting to get going on on Green Bay. Now, we you know, we're still not sure if, you know, Tyrod Taylor is going to get activated off the injured reserve list and whether or not Tommy gets that start on Monday night. You know, Dable hasn't kind of revealed that. But uh, I wanted to get your perspective just in terms of, you know, where does this thing go? How do you kind of assess where DeVito's been? I know you look at quarterback play in this league. I know you've studied the quarterbacks and you will continue to do so that are coming up in the draft. How do you, if someone says to you, hey, Matt, you know, tell me about Tommy. You know, is he going to start for the Giants next year? Now, I, I think that's just an absurd idea. But look, we've seen things happen in this league. Like you mentioned earlier, when someone said they were going to go to the moon, you know, they probably were laughed off, laughed out of the room. Um, how do you assess where they're at right now? And if you had to kind of put in perspective what DeVito can be, what would you say? Yeah, for right now, I would say, you know, one for Tommy and for all the fans, don't, you know, don't worry about next year. Let's just focus on the present moment, right? Let's enjoy this, you know, Linsanity while it's here in a way, right? And and allow Tommy to enjoy the moment too as much as he can, you know? And and as a football player and, and what he's going through, I know that's exactly what he's doing. You know, for those around him, you know, it's great. You know, enjoy the imagination of it and all that stuff, too. But don't cloud, you know, this young man's mind with any of that stuff right now because it doesn't matter. What's great is that he's getting tremendous experience. He's getting better each and every time that he's been out there in the football field. He's gaining confidence. He's getting, you know, valuable experience where – The other 31 NFL teams are watching and witnessing his participation on the field, which will make everyone in the scouting department who valued him as an undrafted free agent for them to review why they wrote that in that scouting report originally. Hmm. And, And that's a powerful thing. 
you know, that's what's so great about the position and what's so great about, you know, Tom Brady's story, you know, uh, even Brock, Brock Purdy and what he's doing. You know, there's all these reports. There's all this, oh, you know, we're, we're geniuses, this and this. And then, you know, things like this happen, and it makes everyone in the facility and the building and the scouting department think, yeah, what were we missing? Or what do we have right from our report? Or what do we have wrong from our report? Because it seems like this guy has something that we clearly, you know, didn't write or didn't know about or, or couldn't really, uh, you know, tell with our crystal ball what his future was. And, and that's what I think Tommy is doing right now. He's doing a great job of being a leader and performing really, really well. If I was the Giants, I would continue to ride with Tommy DeVito right now. Why? Because... He's just in the groove. The team's in the groove. I think they kind of feel that that aura and that energy right now in the building, which I think is, you know, a, a, a very addictive feeling when you're a football player, that when things are going well, you just want them to continue to go well, and you are going to be somewhat superstitious to make sure that, you know, you don't deviate from that, right? Yeah. And, and that's what I think they should do. They should keep letting him play. I think they should figure out, is this a guy that we can – you know, potentially have as our backup quarterback for the next, you know, few years, you know, or really giving him an opportunity to battle for the backup position next year, right? Either way, it's a positive for Tommy as long as he just keeps doing what he's doing, keeping his life simple, you know, eating, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the jersey sub that he keeps having, you know, each and every week or whatever, just, you know, just keep plugging along and doing his thing. And we'll see where it all fin- finishes this, this year. But, you know, I would keep rolling with him. I think he's done a great job. He's creating, uh, you know, there was one door open for him to make it in the NFL, and that was with the Giants as an undrafted free agent. And now that he's played extremely well, now there's a, a series of doors that will potentially open for him when the season ends, and, and that's what you need to do. He's, he worked hard. He created an opportunity, and now with that opportunity, he's created more opportunities for him in the future, and other teams will take notice in that too. And, you know, this is where we see a lot of guys who come into the starting lineup, they perform pretty well, and all of a sudden they're hanging around the league for six or seven years as a backup and in some cases get opportunities to start again. I mean, Josh Dobbs is another great example of that too. So you just – you never really know – you just got to stay in the moment and just keep working and keep uh, perfecting your craft as best as you can. And, uh, and I think that's what uh, Tommy's been doing, and, and hopefully the Giants continue to, to do that this season. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you just big picture quarterback-wise with the Giants because everybody wants to speculate and say what they would do. I mean, look, the the reality is that we don't know where they're going to be drafting come April. We don't know what their draft board is going to look like, what quarterbacks are going to be there first round, second round. Uh, you know, if there are guys, you know, I like the idea of, of maybe making a trade for one of these guys who may find themselves on, on the outside looking in, you know, a Justin Fields who, who may not be in Chicago next year. From your perspective, from what you've studied, and I know your, your work is going to really kick into high gear with the co- college quarterbacks, you know, come January and February, if it hasn't already. 
What would you do if you're sitting here right now and, and Joe Shane, Joe Shane said to you, Hey, Hey Matt, what do you, you know, what do you think? What do you think of our situation? Um, what, what, what do you think? And I don't expect you to, you know, have done a deep dive on everything to this point, but where do you think they sit with quarterbacks? How does it compare to what you thought this summer? And, you know, are you uh, of the mind that, you know, they really need to, to make a move going into next season? Well, you know, first, I guess a lot of those things, I, I don't know what the, the actual situation is contractually, you know, right now with their current standing. Yeah. But uh, I just know from my experience, too, from being in those rooms is that, you know, whether you've been paid or whether you're an undrafted free agent like Tommy DeVito, you know, each and every day is a job interview for you in that building. And, you know, when you're available and you're participating in it and all that stuff, it's great. When you're not, that leaves room for all that extra stuff and imagination to go. And, you know, the Giants, I think, are a team that, you know, there's there's signs that it's progressing in the right way. You know, we saw it last year. We had high hopes for this year. You know, definitely been some tough breaks for the football team this year. I have no doubt, though, that, that Shane and, and Dave are the guys and that they will get this done and turned around, you know, for the better and for the long run for this, this organization, right, which we have so much just pride for in this area. And – you know, it, it's going to be – there are going to be real questions in that meeting room, you know, come this offseason. Um, you know, even with, you know, Daniel Jones on the roster, you know, yeah, they're going to go through and look at all these young QBs because there's a lot of really good quarterbacks. And if you feel like you can make an upgrade as a position, if they feel like he fits, you know, being a New York Giants quarterback and all that kind of stuff, right, because that's a whole other thing onto itself, uh, you know, that that's a possibility. So – you know, I think any of those possibilities are a real thing for this organization this off season, and uh, you know, it, it, it's going to be a really tough task, I think, for them. One, because you know, it, there is that personal aspect, you know, to this game and how it's played, and, and the people that you surround yourself with, and it's never easy. But also, you do have a job. The job is tough. It, it requires you make tough decisions. And if you can think that you can upgrade your, your most important position on the field, especially on the offensive side of the football and the, the way that people view your franchise, you know, it would be tough for them to, to ignore that if that's what their intuition and what their homework told them to do. So it's, uh, it's by no means going to be easy, but I, I, like so many others in this area, are going to be very curious to see what, what their strategy is uh, going into the offseason. Last thing, and I know you're all about, you know, QB development, so that's why I asked you the question. To me, the biggest thing that's taken away from the fun story that is Tommy DeVito is the way Brian Dable and Mike Kafka and Shea Tierney, the quarterback's coach, have taken an undrafted rookie quarterback and coached him up to the level that he's playing at right now. And, you know, you can take PFF grades and QBR ratings and all that stuff and put them aside. I know the eyeball test. Tommy DeVito, the way he's playing right now, it was not playing like this when he arrived at the Giants facility back in May. He's a different quarterback right, right now. To me, the biggest takeaway here, and I, I want to get your feeling, is that 
this staff right now. And maybe it's not constituted the same way. Maybe Kafka gets a job somewhere else, all this stuff, whatever, whatever happens in the future. I have confidence if I'm Giants ownership and I'm Joe Shane and I look at this and I say, we got the right guy to develop a franchise quarterback. I want this guy to develop our quarterbacks because of what they've done with Tommy DeVito. With what you've seen, is that also a big takeaway for you that regardless of who's there, you know this quarterback is going to get coached up to the point where they're going to get the most out of the guy that they put in that position, which kind of leads them to the idea of if you see that blank slate in college that you really, really like the person's game, you know, you you almost say, well, what can our guys do to lift him, to elevate him? To me, that's what I take away from this entire DeVito story for the Giants as a staff, not even so much, you know, the person who we love and we love the story and the way it is. Right, right. And, and you know, with Dayball, we, we are, I already know. I already know how I feel about him with the quarterback position and what he's been able to do with Tommy DeVito this year with, you know, the short stint that Tyrod has as a starter too. Tyrod's been a proven commodity too, but you can see that Tyrod was confident in doing well at the position too under Dayball. what he did with Daniel Jones a year ago, you know, and, and what he's done with Josh Allen and grooming him into being, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So for Dayball, you know, I already know, that, you know, he is a very good professor and, you know, he, whoever he has in that classroom is going to get better at the position being around him. And a lot of that is just as a credit to who he is as a person, man, because, uh, you know, you hear stories about someone, you know, you hear all that kind of stuff and the chatter and all that, but then when you meet them in person and then you find out that all those stories were true, that he is like just a great dude, that he is easy to talk to, that he really, you know, has this great, you know, uh, just presence about him. Uh, it's just, it's awesome. It really is. And I think he's someone too that he's really, you know, he's really a coach. He's a coach's coach, but he's also a player's coach. And I think he, he really does do a phenomenal job of, you know, kind of towing that line where he can be extremely tough on you, but at the same time, you know that it's coming from a place of, you know, just, support and you know wanting for you to be better to trying to make you a better version of yourself and not not just you know ripping you just to rip you for for the sake of it you know it is because he thinks that you are better than what you were doing you know and you can see that by the way that the players react to him by the way that quarterbacks have reacted to him and it's on the field and off the field so I have the utmost faith in Dayball as a leader and as a, you know, a molder of young quarterbacks in this NFL. And uh, it's extremely impressive. And, um, you know, I, I have all the faith in the world that, that he will be able to make it work no matter what the situation is because that's what good coaches do. A Sims as a quarterback with uh, an appreciation for a quarterback, for a coach that wants to be intense and really get after him on the sideline, I, that, that kind of runs in the family, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. No, yeah, of course, of course. You know, and that's, that's something where it just uh, it, it's hard to put into words. It really is. But, you know, my father obviously being connected with Bill Parcells, you know, I'm sure that a lot of the wisdom that was instilled in me as a young man, you know, and, and when you knew me at, at those years in Bosco, yeah. you know, I'm sure I was 
in a weird way, an extension of that Bill, Bill Parcells coaching tree, my attitude, and then put on a little, uh, you know, sprinkle a little Colts toll on there with Nunzio Campanelli, and uh, you have Frankenstein's monster. But, you know, that's, <laughs> that's what you have, though, at the position, though. It's just that, that conglomerate of multiple things kind of coming together and making something unbelievable and special and unique. And I think that the Giants kind of have that recipe with, with the offensive staff and what Dayball has done with his experience, you know, as a coach and, uh, and why, you know, the position itself is special when, when you have people like that leading the way. And I make this point all the time to everybody, you know, name a good quarterback and, and someone that you think is a Hall of Famer, and I can guarantee you that they were coached by one of the better coaches of that generation too, whether they were Hall of Famers or not. They were got, coached by guys that were well-respected in the league that knew what they were talking about. There's never been a player that has cre- uh, done phenomenal things in the NFL where they overcame bad coaching all the time. And, and that's what I think is so special about the position and why I think the Giants are in a good place right now. Right place, right time. If it's the wrong place and the wrong time, it's very difficult to get to a point where you can elevate above uh, all the other factors. So that's a great point by you. Matt Sims, always a pleasure. Sims Complete Podcast on YouTube. Uh, make sure you check it out. Uh, when you when you have Phil Sims and Matt Sims talking quarterbacks, and you know I won't even mention Chris Sims because he he's got his own promotion. He can do whatever he wants, uh, but <laughs> but he's a friend friend of the program too, obviously. But Matt, always a pleasure. Happy holidays to you and your family, and uh, we'll be talking soon. Yeah, appreciate it, Art. Thank you so much for having me. You know, and uh, truly special times right now for the Giants. So go, Tommy DeVito. Uh, go, go, Don Bosco Prep alum. You know, hey, I just want to say, I don't think there was ever a Bergen Catholic quarterback that made it to the pros. You know, Bosco, we got, we got three. So I don't know, man. They got to step up their game. So, but uh, hey, they might be the three P champs right now. But Bosco is doing the thing as far as developing QBs. That's for sure. But yeah, go, go, Bosco. Go Giants, and thank you again for having me, man. Hey, man, I had Devin McCourty on a couple weeks ago, and he took a shot at Bosco and said, you know, maybe if it was a St. Joe's quarterback playing that Sunday night in uh, Buffalo, then they would have pulled it out instead of having the Bosco quarterback out there uh, on the sideline waiting to get in. So all you guys, we love our North Jersey football. We really do. So as always, it's yeah. a it's a pleasure. I know you got a, a bunch of guys. Danny, Danny Morangi, who's, you know, your DC at Bosco went on to St. Joe's uh, to be the head coach. He he joked with me uh, a couple weeks ago when I asked him about about Devito, and he said, "You know, we're just going to enjoy every week the way it is." But you know, what if he became Jeff Hostetler and you know ended up becoming you know that backup that had to step in and win a Super Bowl? He goes, "I know it's not yeah. going to happen. I know it's not going to happen. But what if it did?" And you know what? I talked to Victor Cruz last week, and he said, "My his first couple weeks, not many people would have predicted Victor Cruz, you know, getting shout outs from Madonna at the Super Bowl." So hey. <laughs> Right. You never know, oh, man. But if you're if you're there, you know, a part of the circus, you never know when you might be, you know, the prime act right there on the main stage. So uh, you just got to keep being a part of it, keep working it as best as you can to, to stay a part of it and stay sharp. And you know, it uh, it really is awesome. So you know, credit to him and his family, and 
you know, uh, I know that uh, he's been going to probably be eating free for the next, you know, uh, <laughs> year or two in the state of New Jersey, and rightfully so, man. So the the diners and everything are going to be open their doors to him. <laughs> yeah, pre- primo hoagies for everyone, I'm sure, and the Tollies and Sea Caucus and everybody else who's uh, trying to grab a little bit of this Tommy DeVito story. Matt Sims, always a pleasure. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, brother. All right, thanks to Matt Sims. Obviously. Uh, having some fun and uh, I really think Matt knows what he's talking about in terms of young quarterbacks. I mean, between Phil Sims, Chris Sims and Matt Sims, uh, you can't go local and have a better trio to talk local quarterbacks. And I think Matt also adds something to the idea of being an undrafted rookie and what that's like trying to fight and claw and scrap to get a spot in this league. Uh, So appreciation to Matt. And uh, obviously, happy and a healthy holiday to him and his family. And that'll do it for this week's bi-week episode. We'll be back next week. Reminder, there are no pregame and postgame pods this weekend. The Giants are off. So you don't have to worry about losing a game this weekend. You can sit back, relax, root for whoever you want to root for, whether it's your chase for a better draft pick or a, as I said, the glimmer of hope to get back into the playoff race. That's up to you. I'm not going to tell you what to do. But as listeners, I always appreciate you being all in. And we're all in as well. We'll talk to you next week. Everybody stay healthy and enjoy the holiday season.